Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you, people, I'm uh, I'm going to see Yes this Sunday, the band Yes. And it's amazing because the first concert I ever went to was the Philadelphia Spectrum, and it was the Yes Termato Tour. And I remember, I think I was in ninth grade, and this guy was sitting next to us. It was me and two friends, and he was giving us booze, which is so wrong because he's like 25. And he had one of those, uh, I don't think they make them anymore. They used to have these bags, like they were cow, they had like a cow design and they were uh, like a flask, but you could put it around your neck and it was like, it was hard, it's hard to explain, it was sort of like a pouch. And I remember that. And then he kept asking us if we wanted pot. And then uh, we're like, no, we were in ninth grade. I mean, I think one of the kid wanted pot, but it's just weird. So now we're actually going to go see Yes years later. I mean, it's so you figure I'm 50. So I saw when I was like 16. So I'm seeing the band 34 years later. And uh, luckily, Clive Farrington from When in Rome, which this is a weird connection. He was on the show. He got me comp tickets. I'm like, so I'm sitting with a drummer from Oingo Boingo and Clive Farrington <laughs> to see Yes. And it's going to be cool because I'm taking Joanne and she's never seen Yes. But then I'm thinking, wow, this band, it just shows how great music is. This band, 34 years ago, and they're still touring. And I'm going to be, and I just hope that guy isn't next to me again trying to give me booze and pot because that wouldn't be good. Anyway, enough about that. We have a, we have a great show today. We have a, we have a very uh, funny gentleman, an actor, a writer, a more writer now, right? It's Paul Greenberg. Paul Greenberg, that's my name. Uh, I'm actually back into kind of a 50-50 thing again. So okay. I was writing for many years and... Now I'm back into acting as well. Now you were talking about IMDb because I, I, I yeah. always I always try to get information about people, yes. and, now, and now you don't update your information. I hate the idea of writing my own bio. It's like that's what my mother's for, is to tell people what I do. Right. <laughs> and she's dead, so that's why the bio isn't happening. I guess I would have made my mother write it, but uh, I, I just don't like talking about myself. Well, it's funny because for me, I because I always see I love when I when I do my website it's always great when someone has like a cool bio like their website but yeah. the problem is sometimes is when I can't copy and paste that stuff like some websites won't let you do it right and I go what the hell or when I copy and paste it I've tried to copy and paste other people's bios into my and yours exactly it's, it's almost impossible so now for you I'm gonna have to actually write a freelance because uh, you only have a few things I'm sitting there alright because like I sit there I go sometimes I'm like okay because I hate posting the website I mean when I post my episodes I just yeah. download it but when you write it's like I, I don't feel like writing about, you know, it's one it's you can copy it, but then you have so many, and plus the thing that sticks is you have so many credits that when people have all these credits, then you sit there and you go, well, what if they look at it and they go, hey, why did you, well, why didn't you put that credit in? And I go, well, uh, you know, and, and Wikipedia, half the stuff is wrong. Oh, yeah. But your IMDb is, is crazy. I mean, so, but now, I'll, well, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write you a good bio. I would love that. I'm going to send you a good bio. That's great. And we're going to start. Can you make me 5'9? Because I don't. Yeah. How tall five, are you? 5'4 and a half. You know, I was at like growing up. Because I, I mean, would you get picked on? Because I'm legally blind in one eye. And I used to get picked on occasionally. Did you get picked on? Or is that why you're funny? You know, um, I, I was lucky enough to really enjoy uh, being uh, this size. Okay. Um, I always tell people I can, I can be comfortable anywhere I sit. <laughs> My feet aren't touching the floor right now, and I'm totally okay with that. Are you fine? No, because it's trying. Am, like, we yeah. went. We went to uh, my girlfriend. I have a 12 crazy. year old, by the way, that's taller than me now. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. See, it's crazy, no, and I'm okay with it. But see, it's funny. I'm with, fine with it. You're fine with it. But oh, the yeah. feet, the feet thing, though, she gets crazy because like she'll sit there and we'll go somewhere. She's like, like my feet. We went to Hollywood Ball, right? And, and and I got her one of those. I uh, know those seats. We They're, sat on the bench. The benches are taller. Yeah. And yeah. she got my and she got the cushion, either. and she goes, "I can't sit on the cushion." Why? Because then she put the cushion behind her back, and she was happy. My the bottoms of my feet are as if I was raised in like a Japanese like kingdom because <laughs> they've they've touched the ground so rarely. So, and uh, and I'm I, I see the positive in that, you know. And I remember my first day of like, well, I'm Canadian, so it's grade nine, eh? But you call it ninth grade. I remember there were two other Paul Greenbergs also at the school at the same time. So there was me and then one in grade 11. And we went to grade 13. And uh, we, they don't anymore. But uh, I remember I was introduced to the grade 13 Paul Greenberg. And I'm like, hey, my name is Paul Greenberg, too. <laughs> and the first thing he did was pick me up and put me in a garbage can. Really? Yeah. That and jerk. I was like, yeah. <laughs> All right, we got the same name. Like I was try, I just tried to be positive about it. You know? 
Well, that's just, just, can't kids do are mean. I can't do anything. Yeah, you can't. But it's kids like, are mean. Man. But the worst is he has the same name. Like like me. Like I, I remember the two kids who picked me, and I, I've told the stories what I've done to them since then. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. You know, one's made up because he's 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 nice. He he sends me on Facebook. He sent me a nice message. You know. Yeah. But I, I said not, I was gonna say, did you ever do you remember stealing my football? But I didn't do that. Oh, that I didn't, bastard. But but the thing is, but yours is it was worse because it was another Paul Greenberg. You guys oh, were supposed yeah. to bond. It's like if I meet another Steve Cooper, I'm bonding with him. You see, sadly to me, that was bonding. Okay. That's how I bond. If you pick on me, that means we're like, hey, this is all right. You noticed me. Now, you're from Toronto. I am. Now, did you always want to get into acting? Was anyone in your family into the entertainment business, or did you always want to write, or were you always creative? Uh, I'm still waiting to be creative, but uh, my I come from a family of, there's no comedians in my family. Uh, my mother was an artist. My brother was a professional musician from when he was 17, like rock band, bass player, and still does it today. Um, so it was okay to kind of go into that area. Okay. But it's not like I had any role models or anything. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do until I was about 20, honestly. Did, did you watch comedy a lot as a kid? Comedy Were you a fan? Fanatic, or? Yeah, comedy fanatic. But I never, uh, I hung out with funny people and just kind of shut up most of the time until I, you know, as you get older, you just start feeling uh, maybe, you know, a little more confident in speaking out. Now, was, was it big from Canada? But was it a big Second City influence? Was that big for you? I mean, not, or no, I'm sorry. Uh, what, no, the, um, no, that's... Uh, it's, the Second City. Yeah, Second City. There's the Second City in Toronto, which my wife was Second City in Toronto. But for me, it was actually uh, Kids in the Hall. Okay. Because... Um, uh, I went to Ryerson, which uh, you know, which was at the time a polytechnic. So I was, I can fix a toaster so fast you can't believe it. <laughs> but now it's like this university, a real university. But at the time I went into radio and television arts because I didn't know what else to do. Honestly, I mean, I had no, I just couldn't picture myself doing anything that wasn't fun. Right. You know, it was that mentality, and uh, and my dad did say to me, you know, make sure. You know, whatever you pick, make sure you like it, or because then it won't feel like a job. So that stuck with me, and you know, so far that that's worked out. But I went there and we did a show. I met a bunch of other guys in uh, Ryerson in the same program, and uh, we did like a a yearly sketch show. And then one of them said, you know, there's this group playing at playing at the Rivoli, which was this uh, club in Toronto, and this is. 1984 1985 okay and it was the kids in the hall and we went and uh saw a troupe that formed by itself wasn't part of second city or the groundlings or anything else they were totally their own troupe and they wrote their own sketches and answered to nobody and uh we said you know we want to do that too so that's really how i got into the whole comedy and writing world we had a show on um comedy central we had one of the brothers of the kids in the hall in my troop. Which uh, Nick, uh, Mark McKinney's brother, Nick okay. McKinney, was in my troop, and uh, we were four guys. And Lauren Michaels produced our show, and we uh, ran on Comedy Central for a couple of years, and that's what brought me out to L.A. But before that, I didn't really know what to do. You know, my first job in the industry was as a uh, a uh, stand-in for a twelve-year-old that looked like Don Knotts. In no, <laughs> for real, for a in, movie. in Canada. Uh huh. So I got there. I'm like, well, I got a stand-in job. Like, I showed up, and they go, "All right, here's the guy you're standing in for." And I'm like, "You got to be kidding me!" This, he, he had he looked like Don Knotts, and I'm like, so that I was offended just at that. And he was 12, and so I had to stand and be lit for the as the 12 year old, like for three weeks. And the kid was an asshole. Okay, kid was like, "Fuck you, you know, give me a coffee." He was an absolute nightmare. I've never. You never forget that kid. I will never forget that kid. <laughs> Did you, is he? Does he still act? You know, Lewis Tripp. I okay. know his name. <laughs> Say it. Everyone does it. We all. We all know <laughs> the person who picked us. Like you can forget. You can. You can forget the first girl you ever kissed. The yeah. first girl you hooked up with. Whatever. But you always remember that kid. Can I swear on here? By the way. Well, I don't want to. Just but, no, try not. Not not as many F. Just not no, the no, F word. I, I won't. I won't go there. But. Uh, the first one of the first sketches we wrote, I remember, was I after that was I played a twelve year old evil actor child. 
<laughs> no, was that the vacant lot? Was that? Yeah. Okay. Now, how now? How did you get the guys together for that? Were they just friends of yours? Because it must be weird because you all have to really get along and you all have to respect we, each other. Three of us were in the program at uh, Ryerson, so we all kind of had this uh, um, common goal to do nothing. You know, like we just wanted. We just knew we. Uh, watched a lot of television, so why not try to get a job in it? Was really the mentality, okay. and, and uh, so three of us met there. So we all kind of were comedy fans, big comedy fans, and uh, we shared the same sensibilities. And then, uh, and then there was Nick's. You know, we we became friends with the kids in the hall, and Mark McKinney was like, uh, "You guys should put my brother in your troupe." And we're like, eh, "Okay." He is Mark's brother. But anyway, we met him, and it all worked out great, and we became a, a troop. You know? So you started, you started did the troop. Now, you started playing all over Canada? Or how did, how did it come to a point where Lauren Michaels found you? Because of Kids in the Hall? Or because or, they were yes. hot then? And, you know, everyone... yeah. This was pre their television show. So okay. the Kids in the Hall would play once a week at the Rivoli. And then uh, we started playing uh, at the Rivoli as well. And it was actually at a time when... Uh, when sketch comedy, there was a real boom in uh, the late eight, late eighties and early nineties. Like it, like troops just started popping up everywhere. They're very common now. They weren't that common then, and uh, so we kind of secured a spot at the Rivoli, which was the kids in the halls home as well. And uh, eventually, you know, we used to sell out. It was great. We would do a show, and we'd try to do as much new material as we could. And eventually, uh, Lauren Michaels sent. A couple of producers down to see us and uh after a while they just offered us a show that we co-produced with the cbc in canada and comedy central and mtv here in here in the states so yeah. that must have been great though i mean it was it, it awesome. just, i mean you think about it it's like you guys just started job. this thing <laughs> yeah i mean how long how long were you doing your troop before you got the show eight years Okay, so it was a while, but you, yeah. you built up a following and you were you were having fun doing it. We had a lot of material and which was great. And uh we were very tight as a group. It's like a band that gets signed after many years, you know, and they do their first album. It's like, oh, they're you know, those are pretty good songs. It's because we we really had a lot of time to get you know, to get to that point. So when you got signed for them to do that, you had to move to LA. Yeah, well, we produced the show in Toronto, okay. which was awesome because all the executives stayed up here or down here. In, uh, so you know, the, in it was New you guys were on your own. Yeah, so we could do whatever we want. They, you know, we didn't have to implement any notes. Put it that way, because by the time they made it up to Toronto, it had already been shot, you know, and uh, so that was great. But then after that, it was we couldn't get arrested in Canada, you know, to do anything. Like I, like it was just really difficult. Uh, you know, they eventually canceled our show on the CBC uh, and put a, uh, a, uh, a <laughs> see, I don't want to sound mean. Her name was Rita McNeil. Okay. She's the one who took our spot on the CBC. <laughs> um, well, could, I, love, I, I love the meanness. It's great. Google yeah. her, if you could Google her, you'll see what, I, instead of me saying it, you could just look at the picture <laughs> because I don't want to get in trouble. But she was. I'm going to check it on my phone. Let's say maybe it's better if I say how much she weighed in stone. (laughs) But uh, anyway, and she might be dead now. Actually, Rita McNeil. Yeah. And 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 McNeil, I think. I think it's McNeil. Oh wait, wait. She just came up. Wait. (laughs) Singer, country kind of folky country singer. Rita McNeil. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So now, oh God. (laughs) That's her. So that's who replaced us. So, so and that must be. But that's see, that's what makes no sense. People are digging you. They're digging the show, and then you replace it with like, like a singer who is like nothing like you guys. Not young and hip. Like and Comedy Central orders an entire season of you guys. But you, but, but yeah, Rita McNeil is taking your place. The, but the CBC backs out because they want Rita McNeil, and so Comedy Central can't afford to do the show alone. So that's the end of the show. See, so but this, then you, that's awful. So, so I'm like, by Canada, I couldn't do, I couldn't take it. It just drove me really. So I had to leave. So you moved down here. Yeah. Now, had you been to LA before? Uh, yes, I used to come here as a child because I have my, I have aunts from here, and uh, I used to you know visit here all the time. You know, and I did want to live here at some point, but I just didn't know how to do it. Well, I always ask my guests, where did you first move? Do you remember your first place you moved when you came here? 
Oh yeah. Where because everyone everyone I always say especially like I had this little studio. I was still married and I was living at San Diego. And I would come up here and I had this little studio oh. in Hollywood. And I paid three eighty five and it was right behind where Hollywood and Highland is now. But back then it wasn't nice. We, right. we would walk to the powerhouse, me and my buddy, oh, wow. and you'd have to wait. Like you'd sit there, like you'd have to have each other's back because you know there's always some crazy yeah. guy come up and start singing to you. Uh-huh. If you don't give him money, he'd be like pushing you. Where did where did you move? Venice and Lincoln. Okay. <laughs> and a, across from what we'd like to call the Murder Mart. So that's where we would buy our, you know, quickly run in, buy our food, whatever we need, and run back in and lock the door. First night, absolute helicopter spotlight right on our apartment where we were living. Isn't that, you know, no one else has that. It's like you sit there, it's nope. like my girlfriend just moved out here and, she, and Burbank doesn't get, we get news helicopters, but every once in a while you'll see a helicopter with a light and you're like, man, something, mm-hmm. you know, someone must have done something really bad in Burbank. Oh, oh yeah, we're watching TV. I hear a firecracker go off and I'm like, huh, who has firecrackers in, <laughs> in, in September? <laughs> We knew, you know, obviously it's someone with a gun, right. but we just pretended it was firecrackers because <laughs> we couldn't handle that. So so you moved to L.A., so now what's your course of action once you get here? Now, were, did people know of you because of the vacant lot? Did you, yes. You're into agents, I'm sure, and stuff like that. Yeah, I had, uh, I didn't have any real problem there. I had, because of the show, I was able to sign with Willie Morris, and I, you know, and immediately went into the kind of uh, sitcom-y, you know, pilot season mode. And uh, um, I got actually cast on Jenny McCarthy's sketch show, which was the thing she did right after Singled Out on MTV. Okay. We did a full season of, uh, of crazy, really, uh, you know, sketches, lots of throwing up. You know, it was Jenny's show, so you can imagine right. the stuff, she, you know, <laughs> which still to this day she, she loves. And uh, one of the writers, we had the most amazing, I didn't write, I wrote my own, I got to write my own films on it with a guy from, I brought Rob Gaffrere from uh, The Vacant Lot with me just to write our own little two-person films on it, as well as being part of the cast. So that was fun. I got to do that. But uh, the writers were Will Forte, was a writer. It was his first job. Okay. Um, John Benjamin, I don't know if you know, you know, and Mike and you know, Glazer and all these guys that just, you know, were the funniest people I'd ever met. Seriously. And of course they're still around today and they're huge, you know, in the, in the comedy world. But it was Joel Gallen was this guy and he just put this great writing group together. So actually the sketches, uh, you know, people really liked it, but it was, uh, you know, it was a little blue for the time. I think, you know what I mean? A little, gross out today that wouldn't even phase uh, anybody no, no, exactly that's what you think is people you can do anything now in 97 i think it was when we were shooting it it was like that everyone was shocked at everything you know what i mean and uh she she may have been ahead of her time in that in that comedy area but uh that was my first job and that just kind of kept us in la you know because you, you just don't know when you move here you think if something doesn't happen soon you know i'm gonna be uh hooking right <laughs> so i hooked anyway but like Rita mcneil yeah right oh imagine the size of, i won't say it yeah it's, but uh the yeah poor rita poor rita no she took your place now but but it's it's, it's i was argu- mad at her honestly still am you should be yeah so you're doing that you do that now you're now you're getting after that show gets canceled are you jumping around you're, you're auditioning for different things or? yeah i did i went from a lot of different i did a lot of different sketch shows for many years there was like a vh1 sketch show i did oh, you did random play yes which and, my wife was on with me okay now did you write for random play also uh-huh, i wrote on it and i was on it as well because john matta wrote for that that's well john matta hired me for random play now how did you how did you know john i knew john because i started playing largo which was uh right. largo was on fairfax um like right away pretty much when we moved to uh la i just got back on stage and started doing uh you know, Monday nights were comedy nights at Largo. And it was a great time. You know, it was Sarah Silverman and Marilyn Cub and everybody. And it was just these, and Paul F. Tompkins, who's still doing Largo. Um, so Matta was there and, you know, and I think Matta and Paul were, were, were 
good friends back then. We so all, because I, I knew I, Paul too. We all knew each other I from met, Philly. I met uh, Matta through Paul. Yeah, because we all yeah, knew each other sure. from Philly. Well, there We'd you go. hang out. Yeah. And so and it was, and, you know, and that was Paul and Matta and Adam McKay hung out a lot. Exactly. And then, yeah. you know, we all, and all us comics, we knew each other. Right. So then you started doing that. So you got this. So, so John got, hired you to write? Yes, he hired me as a, as a writer on Random Play. And uh, it was great. You know, I got to work with him. He, I would share an office with him. And uh, we, it was back uh, when the internet was fresh. Um, and so we, he rolled a big, giant TV into, the, uh, into our tiny little office. And uh, he would, uh, you know, throw the internet up on the TV, and it would be behind me, and my back would always be facing it. And um, every 25 minutes or so, he'd go, Hey, Paul, look at this. Look what I found on the internet. And I turn around, and it would be something with a horse so horrific that you can't even imagine. <laughs> Literally, I got I, it got to the point where I was like, "John, I'm not turning around." And then, of course, I'd have to turn around and see. So, now at what? That's, that's all I remember about random play. That's classic. So, at this whole time, though, now you're still acting and you weren't writing. You're going back and forth, right? Never went back and forth to was, Canada. You mean, or no, 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 between I mean, the two with, things? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, I, uh, I, the writing started when John, um, when John hired me for Random Play. That's when kind of the writing picked up again for me. And uh, I, I started doing things like uh, the MTV Movie Awards, you know, where you get to write the opening film, which was really fun. So you get every star in the world to be in a sketch you wrote. And, jeez, uh, I'd have to look at my MTV. I'm Wait, so, you wrote for Jackass? Yeah. Now, what was that like? Because that was that well, was that was sort of like a, a, a more advanced of the gross out that that Jenny did. I mean, because they did some crazy stuff in Jackass. Yeah, I would I would label it more terrifying than okay. scary. There there were uh, this was through a guy, another guy in uh, my troupe, Vito Viscomi, who uh, we got um, hired uh, to write. This is the second season of Jackass, and uh, we went in for a meeting with Johnny Knoxville and. Um, and uh, he kind of let it slip to us that uh, you might wa- you might not want to work from the office. Uh, you might want to work from home. And we're like, why? And he says, because someone's going to put an electric dog collar on you and you'll be on the show while you're writing. <laughs> and we were like, got it. And we never went back to the office. So you wrote everything from home. Everything. That must be, yeah, because you think. Cause we you were see- terrified. Yeah, because they just, I mean, what was it? They, they, They're crazy. I mean, don't they constantly get hurt? I mean, like, constantly. I mean, it's like, it's like one thing. It's like, it's like anything. If you're in a bad workplace and you hate going to work and you hate your boss, that's one yeah. thing. Now, if you love what you're doing, like they probably love, but you know that there's a chance that you're going to fall down nine steps. I mean, how do you get excited to do that? I'm not like they are. They're different, like uh, different species. I think. I'm like, how can I watch? I'd like to do everything behind glass. Right. If I could do everything that way, that would be awesome. And, you know, but it was kind of like a fantasy job. It was like being, you know, 12 and going and saying to your friend, wouldn't it be hilarious if we waxed a guy's entire body hair off, like his eyebrows and everything? And so Steve-O would do that. We'd, we'd come up with these ideas and he'd do it. I remember one was uh, High Lie. We did one with High Lie, which was... Um, we took, you know, Johnny Knoxville went to Florida, where right. High Lie is played, and uh, we had a professional High Lie player throw uh, High Lie balls at him and I try to hit they him go, in the ass. They go like 100 and whatever They miles. go 180 miles an hour. And uh, we threw one uh, to try it against a watermelon or something, remember, and uh, the thing disintegrated. So it was like, um, <laughs> well, that's going to kill him. So uh, why don't we just throw oranges? So the guy High Lied oranges at him and i've uh, and it's most painful thing i've ever seen i mean you could get killed with it's a 180 mile an hour orange so you guys just sit there and go okay uh hey this would be funny and mostly everything they would do oh yeah they would uh like what's the what's the sickest thing you think you wrote or like the most painful thing you wrote that they were like oh yeah okay let's do it it would probably be and i would have to give you know Vito most of the credit for this one was the uh who was my partner at the time, which was uh, didn't make it into the show, but it made it into the m- first movie, 
which was uh, going into a hardware store and taking a dump. I remember that. So that was ours. <laughs> but, uh, and you know, I would have to give Vito that credit there because I, I just couldn't go there. But uh, there was that. There was parking lot fare. I mean, parking meter ferry I always thought was really funny. And it turned out to be completely illegal and the guy almost went to jail. <laughs> You know, you're not allowed to put money in other people's parking that, meters. That's a, you know, that to me, yeah, that's one of the a, stupidest things. That's because, a law. I know. It's like, okay, it's especially in L.A. And L.A. is such a, it's like, who cares? Rocket skates? I'm just remembering some of okay. them now. We did, remember the rocket skates? Oh, yeah, the, the, we, that I, the, was ours and his ass caught on fire. See, I mean, he caught on fire. But you guys, but did you ever feel bad? Or are you like, no? Nah, I mean, no, like God, if someone no. caught on fire or, you know. No, I felt pretty good. Okay. You thought it was a kid. I was like, you thought it was the other Paul Greenberg. It was a true, it was. yeah. It was a true fantasy to just think of things and this production crew and these guys. They would just make them happen. So after you do something like that, Jackass, mm-hmm. you, how do other people look when you're trying to get another writing job? If they see it on your resume, do they think, well, wait a second? They must think one, you must have a great imagination because if they've seen the show, there's stuff that yes. normal people, like a guy walking down the street, doesn't go, "Hey, okay, I'm gonna have someone go take a shit in, in a in a in a, in a in a hardware store." How how are you accepted when? Because I know you wrote for a lot of award shows. Yes. So. Well, I the, the award shows came a little bit later. Okay. Uh, the Jackass thing, uh, it was really great for a while when Jackass and the movies were very popular. Then they were kind of, that's cool. And then I kept, Jackass kept getting lower and lower on my, uh, on my resume, you know, because they were, it was, you know, things come in and out of, uh, you know, trend-wise and, and acceptability and what people think is cool. So, you know. That whole generation that watched Jackass uh, wasn't watching it anymore. You know what I mean? So, and those were some of the executives and stuff that you'd like go try to sell a sh- show to, and they'd be all excited you were on Jackass, and then a year later they're like, "Oh, I see you did Jackass. Hmm. See ya." You know? Right. Because they think that's all you can do. You well, know? Well, I know you wrote for Blue Collar TV. So, yes. So that's. I mean, now you're going from Jackass. Went from Jackass to Blue Collar. So that's yeah. got to be. I mean, it's just. You, first of all, you have to. Your writing chops. I mean, you, you have definitely have very good writing chops. If you go from two, you're writing two completely different things. Completely. If there's, if there's anything, it, to me, it's always been a, a kind of a survival mechanism, for me. Not for people. You know, get very. Um, very uh you know selective about this is the kind of thing i do i write this uh i have spread it out as literally as far as i, I can, well, yeah, I we can see go. from from award shows to jackass to blue it, collar to ellen it's it's yeah. you're like you're like a whole you're like half the planets it's like you can't say hey yeah can you, i mean you, you, it's just how did i mean how did you adapt to blue collar well blue collar was i, I was a big fan of hee haw Okay, I love Tio. I used so, to, I, I had yeah. a crush on Misty Rowe. Uh, who, right? Everyone I, loved Misty. I would have taken any one of the gas station girls. I'll just tell you right now. I even would have taken Junior Samples. He <laughs> was great jumping behind them. That's right. I mean, I would love that show. So, um, I mean, this was kind of like a modern. It was kind of like a modern uh, extension of Hee Haw in my mind, where it's it everything doesn't have to be. Uh, stereotypical you know uh you know redneck jokes even though it was produced by jeff foxworthy who right. invented redneck <laughs> jokes uh so well, it's funny dan whitney yeah Larry, sure. I, he used to hang out with us in philly when he would play the funny bone mm-hmm. before he was larry the cable guy and right. he always wore like slacks and a nice shirt and, and he'd talk like this say guys how you how's it going yeah I know. <laughs> I can't tell you how that blew my mind. It was when so I, well, I knew him before he was Larry the Cable yeah. Guy, so I was like, okay. And then all of a sudden, you see, all of a sudden, I see something. I go, holy crap! Like that's a guy who he got me booked at Ron Bennington's in Florida. I that's go, hilarious. It's the same, it's the, I'm like, it can't. That's the same guy. And it's like, well, I guess it is. Now he's. I remember we were on the uh, set, you know, and he was a uh, he, you know, and we did Blue Collar. He was, you know, absolutely the biggest name in in touring. I mean, he, he had his own bus and he lived on the bus and he'd just roll the bus onto, they didn't get him a hotel. You know, he'd roll his giant, amazing bus up onto the <laughs> lot and he'd live on that. And I just remember him sticking his head out when we first got there and goes, say guys, you want to come in and have a drink? And we're like, uh, who said that? And says, <laughs> well, he's, from the, he's from Nebraska. He's, he's from like- Nebraska and he talks <laughs> like this, right? And it was like, it's like, well, what do you guys want, a beer or something? And it was like, <laughs> Where, where'd, Larry, where'd Larry the Cable Guy go? 
Anyway, that that was pretty freaky awesome. So you wrote for that. Now, did, was it fun? I mean, was it a fun? Because I mean, Ron was Ron White involved in that? Yeah, Ron, Ron was not involved in that, but he was on the show. Right. Ron, <laughs> Ron would just you know, no one tells Ron what to do. That's what it seemed like to me. He was just like, I'm not doing that. You know, he'd be, I'm just going to do one of my jokes or something, or I'm going to come out and, you know, I, I'm, I need to drink something. I mean, he was a big presence, Ron White. And so uh, I, I just remember being told that, you know, all the other guys, you can write sketches for them. Don't bother with Ron White because he's going to kind of do his own thing. And uh, it worked out well for him. You know, he's he was just very, uh, you know, he wouldn't be there all the time. Like, he'd be on tour. So the TV show was just kind of like a, a hobby. A hobby. I think he was doing it because, you know, because Jeff wanted him to do it. You know what I mean? When Jeff's, you know, the Godfather of the South. Right. So, so you're I, I, now. Are you still? Because writing must take away a lot of time. Were you still going out for auditions this time, or trying to get acting work, or did you say, okay, I'm just going to concentrate on writing right now? You know, over the years, I would parts would come up that I'd kind of, uh, you know, that would work out for me. Like, there's a there's and they wouldn't be the best, you know. I do like get some guest spots on uh, on sitcoms and stuff like that. What were some of the sitcoms? Oh God, I think two, uh, two. What was it called? Two girls and a, two guys, a girl in a pizza place. Oh, yeah. I remember that one, and I remember there's, I, you know, my memory is terrible with them. There was what else? There was uh, a Neil Patrick Harris one with Tony Shalhoub. I remember that. Yeah, I did that, and. I got fired off a uh, Melanie Griffith pilot. I remember that. Why'd you get fired? Uh, the table raid. I got fired at the table raid. I was I'm playing the neighbor. Um, it was Melanie Griffith making her break into TV. And uh, the other guy on it was uh, Jonathan. You know, you, you know, you know, uh, let's make a deal. Do you know the show that's on now? Do you know there's the, uh, there's this. Uh, you know the host of Let's Make a Deal. You know uh, Wayne Brady. Wayne Brady and his little buddy who does all the announcing. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, he's on. <laughs> he was on the sitcom too, and uh, they put me with this girl who was going to play my wife, and we were both short, and that's why they cast us together. And uh, uh, I knew I knew it wasn't going well when we were walking to the read through, and a vial of cocaine fell out onto the onto the thing, and she picked it up, and she goes, "Shh, don't tell anybody." <laughs> So, okay, whatever. Anyway, she sat there and proceeded to uh, tell Melanie uh, how, to, how to do comedy and how to read properly. If I, if I may, Melanie. Like, it was that kind of situation. Okay. And uh, everyone got silent, including the executive producers. And uh, she made Melanie break down into tears, crying, and run away. Melanie ran... She upset her so much. So she got fired. So she got fired, and I was ca- and we were cast together. And I looked at her and I went, "You just got me fired." And she says, "Don't worry about it. She'll be fine." Anyway, I got home and I was fired. Now that's that's off. <laughs> now now is she below Rita McNeil in the list of uh who who's who's the more or the kid or the other Paul Greenberg? Where, where, how, how are you ranked? It'll always be Lewis Tripp, the one from the stand for that I was the stand-in for. Okay, he's worse than anyone. I think so. That's funny. He probably doesn't even remember it. He was 12, but he was so mean. It's like, how do you become a t- mean 12? And it's just so weird. Like 12 his, years old. His mother would look at me and go, I don't know what to do. Yeah, like give that. him discipline for Christ's <laughs> know. sake, you know? It's called a taser. <laughs> so, so, but no, okay. So you're, 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 you're cutting your acting down and you're writing more. And then yeah. now, now, how did you make the branch into the awards writings? I mean, how did, well, that, you wrote for Ellen after Blue Collar, right? Yes. Now, how I, many series did you write for Ellen? I went one season on Ellen, and my job was basically to write her monologues. Okay. And, you know, I'd meet with her in the morning, and we'd sit, and I'd come in with the monologue. Now, had you ever done stand-up? You know, I'd done lots of stage, okay. but, you know, <laughs> and I still do, even today, but I was never a stand-up guy. I was more of an Andy Kaufman kind of I'm a solo silent performer okay. believe it or not which so I would I mean I've done like you know it you know the HBO comedy festival and stuff with this stuff but it was never stand up so how was it for you to write monologue was it did it come easy to you or yeah, must have been different it was it was easy it turned out that I I could get into the head of whoever you know the style and the humor of whoever I'm writing for you know it just didn't seem it's almost like being an impressionist in my in my mind it's like 
can you imagine them saying this? And does it seem like they would say something like this? And Ellen is so uh, precise in her delivery and her humor. There's no one like her. Uh, that that I didn't find that a difficult job. You know, you know what she finds funny. You know, you know areas she would never go to. So you never go there. And uh, I did that for a season. And it was you know, it it worked out well. You know, I was glad to leave. Put it that way. You know, that's that daytime grind. Yeah, is one of the for my money, is the worst job in the business. It's just because you, you have to, it's every day is something new and you have to be there at certain and hours? Or so disposable. It's like you work your ass off every day and it goes out at four o'clock, you know, in this case, and then it's gone forever and no one gives a crap. I mean, and now, with at least with the internet, which is, you know, now more than even a few years ago, p- things continue to live online. You know, like if you did a great bit, you know, Jimmy Fallon has an entire YouTube channel, Just the Bits. Right, so does, so does Kimmel. Show. Like, if you do Kimmel, like exactly. you have the, Kimmel, uh, Kimmel stuff the, is the mean brilliant. tweets, which are, are so funny. And, and you right. sit there and you go back and you're like, well, and you can find the very beginning ones. Back, and it's great. Back in the day, it didn't matter how good your bit was. It was gone forever. Right. You know, pretty much. You know, but now at least there's a life to it. When I was doing Ellen, that stuff was gone forever. You know what I mean? And I didn't like that. I didn't like uh, the effort that you have to put into daytime tv and then it's just so disposable and it's just gone and it's i I really chose i would i really wanted to focus on something that was a little more uh had a little more staying power you know well then you you, how did you how do you get into the award show i mean what's what did you sit there and go okay did you say this is what i want to do this seems something i do did someone come up to you say you have a very vast from jackass the blue collar elm maybe you should do this or how'd that happen in back in toronto in uh, my wife, Jackie Harris, was uh, Second City uh, on main stage in Second City. I get a call from her uh, one night, and this is in uh, the early 90s, uh, that Doogie Hauser has come down to Second City. And don't we all think that's hilarious? So we go down. I go down because I got to see Doogie Hauser is going to do the, imp- the improv set. I go. Her, uh, Neil, and my wife hit it off completely on stage. They're hilarious. And we become friends with Neil when he's 19 years old. Flash forward, we've moved to L.A. Uh, he gets, and I haven't done any award shows at this point. I've done like MTV Movie Awards and stuff, but nothing really host-driven, you know? And uh, I get a, he, he literally shows up at my house and says, uh, I just got... Um, offered to do the ovation awards you know and he was already just started how i met your mother it was like the first season and uh and i'm like what are those and he's like well it's the live theater wars in la and they want me to host it and i know you know what do we do and i I, and he asked me to help him write it so we wrote him i wrote him a really filthy night of jokes you know because i thought how what's funnier than doogie hauser being completely inappropriate (laughs) for an entire evening and uh, it it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I mean, we did, you know, rape jokes because it's not televised. Right. So, you so we, get, did, we did just rape and everything. and just made, I mean, it was just like a roast almost. And uh, the next day he was like, uh, or like right after that, it was uh, the Emmys want, the Emmys producers were there. They want me to host the Emmys. And that's how it all began with him hosting. And I've been his writer for all that stuff since then. You know, like the Tonys and, and everything. Well, now you won an Emmy for the Tonys, right? Yes. Okay. Now, did you go to the Emmys? Uh, which one? The, uh, the one you won. Yes, that was, yeah. I, I, oh, you can see my uh, acceptance speech on, online. Well, what was that like? Because, I mean, first of all- Did you see it? No, but I just, I saw you run it. So, but you, you, okay, you were writing for the Emmys. No, I wasn't right. I wasn't working on them that year. Okay, so but you, that was you, Jimmy. Jimmy Fallon hosted that year, so I didn't won, work on them. You won for the. Uh, I won the Tony. for writing the the Tonys, and which Neil hosted. Yes. Okay, so yeah. now did you expect get nominated? I mean, because no. you, you got nominated when you were in Ellen too, right? Yeah, but that's a daytime, and okay. everybody knows you need five daytime Emmys to equal okay. one prime time. <laughs> it's it's the uh, it's so like it dog years. It wasn't the same at all. <laughs> so so was it, was it your first nomination you won or? Yes, it was my first prime time nomination crazy exciting like i couldn't believe it like do you get a call do they say hey 
Did you, hey, you, you, Paul, you got nominated or you just I think that should it? be your job. I should call and go, hey, <laughs> hey, 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 Paul, Paul, you got nominated, Paul, Paul, you nominated. Sorry, I got to go. I got a lot more people to call. Uh, the uh, well, you know, you've been uh, you you know uh, the nominations come out, and of course, you know it's been submitted. So you look to see if you're on the list, and then when it's on the list, you go, "Oh my God, I'm I'm getting a free ticket to the Emmys, including the free food afterwards." Now, did you get the gift bag? I never get the gift bag. Oh, I heard they're awesome. They are. I never. Why don't you get them? I know someone who who got nominated for the, for the Tonight Show, and she got a gift bag. I I, I don't know. And she was a writer. I, I don't know why I never get gift bags. That sucks. I know. I never get gift bags. I never get into the gifting suite. That's that's. You I know. I'm trying know. to figure out how to do and that. And you're a winner. You've won though. I've won. You should I've, put it around your neck like Flavor Flavor in a clock. You should walk with that. I've I've been. Uh, it's my fourth nomination. Is this one coming up? I'm nominated this year too. Four. For writing the Tonys again. So, it's so, always the Tonys. So, so that's great because the Tonys are a you, great show. Yes, People, you buddy up to something classy and everybody thinks you're classy. Right. And then, of course, they go, wait, he wrote for yeah, Jackass? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. What? What? Did they tell you yeah, took a no crap? No wonder they don't a, give me a dip bag. A crap in a, that's in why a I don't store, get a buddy, bag. But, so, so you get, you know you're nominated for the Tony. So you just must be so excited. Yes. So, so what is the awards like when you're going as a nominee? I mean, did, did, did The first time it was did, the did crazy. people give you stuff? Like, was, like a... Tux or do you have to buy your tux? Well, I, you go. You, you you don't get given anything. You get given a you know. You show up in your black suit, and they call out a tux today. Okay. So that's I'm lucky. <laughs> and then um, the hard part is your wife has got to be dressed too, and that's where you know, that's yeah, that, that's that's more difficult. You know, you can imagine. Uh, but uh, you go and you uh, sit there, and you wait for nine and a half hours and watch the whole show, and then your award comes up, and uh, you know. Jackie's sitting with me, and uh, I'm going. This is my award, and uh, you know, shh. oh, you know, and I, I obviously don't think I'm going to win, and uh, I know that the name of the award was the 63rd uh, Tony Annual Tony Awards. So when Jeff Probst says, and the winner is 63rd, and I go, I turn to her and I go, oh my God, I won, and she goes, shut up, I'm listening. She literally, she literally went, no, 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 shut up. And I went, I won. And she goes, shh, shh, And I literally left the seat to go get the award. And she was like, where are you going? Like, it was crazy. And I, I my uh, writing partner on it, the guy I wrote with is uh, a friend of mine named Dave Boone, who uh, they told us, you know, one guy speaks. And I said to him, before we went up, I said, you know, just leave me, you know, Leave me 20, 15 seconds or something, 20 seconds to, uh, to you know, thank the wife and kid or whatever, you know, right. I have to say something. So uh, I stand, be, it was his first time winning, and he has been in the business a long time, and it was his first Emmy, it was a giant, it was a giant thing for both of us, and he just, he talked, and then talked, and then <laughs> talked, and I'm literally standing beside him like this. And he starts mentioning Jay Leno, and I don't know why he's mentioning Jay Leno. <laughs> and literally, my face, you can't see it, obviously, we're on radio, but I literally, as soon as he says Jay Leno, I go, huh? Like this? <laughs> and the camera slowly pans off me and only onto him. <laughs> and he was clueless this was happening. You know, he was just so caught up in it, I think. Uh, I like to think. And, uh,. Anyway, at the last three seconds, I'm able to jump in and go, I love it, Jack, I love it, Jack. That's, that's, that's it. all I got. <laughs> so, so not, not it's, after, it's up on YouTube. I'll have to people. check it out. So do I put Paul Greenberg acceptance Paul speech? Paul Greenberg uh, Emmy acceptance speech. Okay, so and just, was, I love it, Jack, I love it, Jack. So that's good. That's good. See that? And then uh, who was I? I was, I was friends with uh, Jim Carrey at the time because I'd been working with him. I'd been writing with Jim Carrey. For what? And... Um, for a personal project of his that he wanted to do, which uh, I don't know if it ever, you know, it was like a year on it of, uh, you know, he's a very spiritual guy, and uh, he just had this idea of this massive kind of stage show, and uh, we were, I was writing it together, so it was a very exciting time for me, but the first text I got after I got off uh, stage was uh, great speech from Jim. <laughs> So it was so embarrassing and hilarious. So now, okay. So after you win that, you've been nominated for a, a few more. Mm -hmm. Now, are you 
bummed if you don't win now, or do you sit there and go, "Hey, you know what? I already got one." No, I totally. It's 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 the it's the way to do it. Trust me. If you can get one, if you can win your first one, then you will have fun at the rest of these awards. So shows. you're not you're not if you get, if you win one now, you're like, yeah, listen, if you don't. I've been I've been to these. You know, I've been to three of these now. Three. Well, I've worked more of them too, so I've been to a lot of them. But uh, as a just a person, as a human, you know, and you know, John Hamm just looks more miserable every year. I'll just tell you right now, it's <laughs> like, like oh shit, like, get Cranston out of it's here. Like, <laughs> he's like you want to say to him, I don't even know why you're showing up. It's like <laughs> he's been nominated five times and never won. And it was Cranston was always winning him every time. It was, yeah. and if it wasn't, it was somebody else. <laughs> but it's never John Hamm. So it's like. <laughs> It's like I feel for the guy, right. but you know that's a bad evening. You yeah, know what I mean? You, you get there and you have, and you have to do a little pre, and you think you're going to win, and you're probably sitting there. And it's probably like and like you an, always think you might, right? It's, but it's probably like that athlete who misses their groove and hitting, and and every time they come up to the plate, they think, okay, this. I, I'm going to get my groove back. I'm going to knock it out of the park. Right. Then they get struck out and they go, That's right. it hasn't changed. I'm still in the slump. And they're going to say, Amazing. John Hand, like look at Suzanne Lucci or Susan Lucci. I mean, she lost like 14 in a row. For, for 25 years. I mean, at and one then, point you sit there and you go, yeah. you go, I, I can't yeah. even go. Cause, and everyone says, oh, well, she won this year. And they point right to her. Like, it's like, they don't care about how the winner acts. They say, oh, let's see how upset she is. And they would show the camera on her. A friend of mine was a, a producer who, uh, Produced um, Top Chef is her show, and every year Amazing Race wins the wins her category. Every year Amazing Race, and the winner is Amazing Race ten nine years in a row, or something. The one year <laughs> she decides not to go to the Emmys, she wins. That's crazy. Oh God. She sat with her mother in New York watching it on TV. It's like <laughs> it's like oh my God. Okay, I, I got to ask you about your writing because as I see your thing goes all across. You wrote for the Lady Gaga. Yes. Okay, which is funny. I watched, that was this year, right? This past yes. Christmas? Yeah. I, I consider it more of a Muppet special than the yeah, Lady Gaga exactly. special. It's, it's, yeah, exactly. But that was just interesting. Oh. And now, I mean, how did that come about? First of all, I've heard, you know, I don't know, I'm not going to ask you to tell stories about her, but she seems like she's very nice and very talented. She seems very cool to her fans. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know, I mean, what was that like? Because first of all, what was it like writing for Muppets? Were you a Muppets fan as a kid? Muppet fanatic. Okay. Muppets are the Beatles to me. Okay. So it's like to meet them and work with them and write for them was, and they don't let people in. You know what I mean? I mean, Jim Lewis is their guy and uh, usually, and, and has written just tons. Anytime they do TV or just show up anywhere, it's Jim Lewis, who's this amazing, uh, you know, amazing comedy writer who is just specifically the Muppet guy. And uh, he let me in. He let me write with him. Did, did he know you through someone, or how nope. did he find out about you? He just liked the fact that I was such a huge fan, and the fact that I I knew the knew the characters like we all do so well. So I know exactly what Kermit's going to say, and I know exactly what Pig, Miss Piggy would or wouldn't do. You know, he would say, you know, most people they just don't totally. It's so specific, the Muppets. You know what I mean? You can't get out of character just for a second. So. Uh, the fact I'm always be thankful that he let me do that with him, and I got to write, you know, I got to write a whole run of Statler and Waldorf jokes. You know what I mean? And saw them do it. Was on set. You know, my favorite thing we did was a thing called uh, um, the Leprechaun Brothers, which was a Beaker. It was a Christmas special, right? Right. This was my this was my fantasy moment. Standing on set while watching Beaker, the Swedish chef, an animal doing uh jingle bells it was the greatest thing i've ever seen and as a as a jazz quartet with the beaker on keyboards and uh animal on drums and swedish chef on upright bass and i thought that's the best entertainment i've ever seen was that your idea yeah it was like it was like you know it was kind of a thing they did with other stuff but we turned it into this christmas moment and i was able to you know it was you know and and i wrote a couple other scenes like uh you know, I wrote stuff for Kermit and Miss Piggy, you know, and I got to type, you know, Miss Piggy Karate Chops Kermit. Which must have been great for just you being like a... a fa- it's, it was like so- a fantasy, man. It was... it was, And then, uh, you know, standing on set with Kermit uh, and uh, saying, uh, I just got a text from my kid showing the puppet, showing the puppet a picture of him with his Kermit doll. And so Kermit says to me, Hey, let's send him a let's send him a selfie back, and so 
I take a selfie with Kermit, the real Kermit, and send it back to my kid who's holding the puppet Kermit. So it kind of blew his mind, you know. That's what I mean? so cool, though. Yeah. And then you wrote, and the Gaga was on that because I saw, you know, and I, I watched part of that because I, I love Christmas specials. But then so I was I. like, I was like, yeah. After a while, I was like, okay, I'll change. You know, I think it really turned out to be just a promotional album thing for her. I don't. She didn't really. She did a couple of fun things in it, but you know, I'm a fan of the old, probably like you, the fan of the old timey Christmas special. You know, that takes place in the living room where people drop by. You know, I mean, it, I kind of wanted it to be that. Yeah, because well, that's like cause when like when we growing up, and you know, they don't think about it. it used to be like growing up back east. There used to be carolers. You know, you, no, no, the people would knock on your door and carol, and then yeah. and then like, someone would have an open house where people would just stop by, like the neighbors would stop by, and you know, have mm. a glass of wine. And still, or no one eats the fruitcake. It's exactly. the same thing. Isn't every that the year? worst? It's like I don't people, know why they even invented that. People like it though. Some people actually are fans of the fruitcake. I have yet to meet one. Person. I don't know. We used to steal Christmas lights. Isn't that bad? Like when we were young, mm, that's like, pretty you'd, bad. You take them, and it's, it's always people you didn't like. Yeah, I probably did worse than that, but that's pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever did you ever do anything bad on Christmas like bratty? Or? Well, we were the Jews in town, so we just hoped no one would burn our house down. Okay. <laughs> well, it's funny because I there was a very Jewish neighborhood near right next to mine, and you could tell like the the as the the goyim who was doing really well because they had a house in the neighborhood. It was the only one, and I would tell people, so don't believe me. You would drive for like eight blocks and there'd be no Christmas lights and this one house would always be like someone who was Italian in the mafia. Right, in the middle of the, the Jewish neighborhood. And it, yeah, and it'd be the gaudiest like like Jesus in the half shell up front oh, and just that stuff. We go crazy with the Christmas lights now. I mean, do you really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, we do Christmas. We do it all. You do all of them. <laughs> yeah. So now, now you're, it's the writing now, and they said you're getting more back into acting now. Yes. Now, how did that come about? You just said, you, did you miss it or what was that about? Well, I've always been, uh, you know, uh, I'm more into, you know, acting in, uh, in something I've, you know, create rather than getting cast at something. It's just, it's kind of where I started with the troupe and it's really where I'm most comfortable. And, uh, uh, do you know Dave Higgins? Yes, he's been on the show. Uh, Dave Higgins and I uh, had a uh, an idea and we wrote a, a film script for it, which was a, uh, which were, which was a comedy, a horror comedy about um, a ghost hunting show. That ends up in an actual haunted house. Uh, didn't go anywhere, but years later we get a call, and uh, Directv wants to produce it as a TV show. So now we have a fake ghost hunting show on Directv, where Dave Higgins and I play ghost hunters, and we go to celebrities' houses to help them with their ghost problems. It's all fake. It's done curb style, all for laughs, and uh, it's called International Ghost Investigators Hollywood Division, and uh, we're launching in October on DirecTV, and uh, we've shot a bunch so far with uh, Ben Stiller. And, so you actually uh, go to real, like, real celebrities oh no, are we, playing... they play themselves. We go to their actual houses. Okay. And, uh, and so, I mean, we just, we just went to New York and shot with Ben Stiller and Christine Taylor. And uh, their whole episode was about uh, Ben doesn't give a crap whether there's ghosts or not. He just wants his lawn mowed, and the, the uh, gardeners are afraid of some ghosts here, so we've got to get rid of that because he wants his goddamn lawn mowed. So that's that whole episode. We did one with Jenny McCarthy, which was pretty funny, which which was uh, she's rented a house uh, because her girlfriends have told her if you rent this house, the ghost will have sex with you. And then you don't end up on TMZ. It's all private. No one can see him. <laughs> and, uh, and, but she's hired us to come because she does, wants to know what the ghost looks like because uh, she won't screw ugly people. Okay. <laughs> and then, of course, in the show, you cut to Dave and I, and we're just very silent and sad for, uh, like, a full 30 seconds, because she won't do ugly people. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, there, we've done um, seven. We got one with Neil Patrick Harris coming up, and I think Chel Chelsea Handler, I believe, has uh, agreed to do one. And Nathan Fillion, I don't know, is, is also going to do one. So they get to be themselves. Uh, and do you write them all or just do an outline, right? Or we do an outline. We don't want to pressure them into learning any lines. Okay, so it's... You know, and uh, we just want them to have fun. And we show them this is the outline of the story. This is the show. And we shoot them in about five or six hours. We're done, you know. So it's... And it's 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 gotten, you know, good reviews. And hopefully we can just keep going with this until we run out of celebrities. So I don't have done on direct TV. What the hell? I know. I just, that's I just, sw I just switched to AT and T the other yeah, day. Yeah, I know. So, but that's good though. That's cool. Cause well, I, it's I, Directv on the Audience Network. There, okay. I plugged it. 
So there you go. So um, now, now you were on Curb Ruts, weren't you? Yes, I was on the third third episode in. My wife too. We played uh, Jackie and Paul, and it was the Bob Odenkirk episode where he's a uh, the porn ex- wait yeah, up, in, up in the hills and yes, Larry goes that. back. Okay, and he's, we're at the dinner. Okay, and that. No, so now did Paul? I mean, did, did Larry know about you, or how did that come apart? Because I heard everyone we loves knew, audition for that. Uh, Jeff Garland. Okay, we're friends with Jeff, and uh, Jeff just called us. We didn't even know what the show was, and uh, Jeff just uh, and his wife and Jeff's wife is uh, Marla Garland, who is casting director too. So they just asked us if we'd come down and shoot this new show for Larry David, and we we're like, "Who's Larry David?" I mean, honestly, it was like, "Is that the Seinfeld guy?" He's acting. Yeah. I mean, really, this was that early. In this That's thing. crazy because we I, like I love Seinfeld. So I knew, but yeah, the same thing. I was like, I knew who he was, but I was like, I never. I knew him as a stand-up too for a while, but I never. So oh, he's got a show. This should be fun. Anyway, we went and uh, shot it, and they were still, they were still kind of working out the the uh, template for the show at this point. I mean, they had uh, they had the uh, total. Of, it's never changed from the initial idea, but. Just the process of how long you spend shooting an episode. I mean, we spent that was a eighteen hour day or something. Oh wow! It was long, but it's great because you're part of like I mean, oh, I everyone loved loves that show. I mean, oh yeah, I was so like, proud to be on it. It was and super fun. So too. We we have a few minutes left. Uh, and any more writing? Any new writing gigs coming up? Or uh, any well, is there awards coming up or the Emmys? Are, are you? I'm not. I'm just going to the Emmys. I'm not writing them this year. And the, uh, you know, I do. Uh, I do, I, I have like, the, the cycle comes every year, you know, like, um, you know, People's Choice and stuff like that I even do now. And they're nice, fun gigs, and they're over. Once they air, they're done, and you just get to move on. Well, you know who also does some award shows? Do you know David Wilde? I'm friends with David okay, Wilde. He was on a while ago, and I didn't know. He does, like, the country awards, and he does all that stuff. I have a David Wilde uh, anecdote, okay. which is interesting, which takes us back to the Jenny McCarthy sketch show. Uh Joel Gallen, who's the producer of the sketch show, said, you guys can't believe it. Uh, we're going to book some of the greatest bands on the show because I've got David Wilde as the, as the booker for this, who's going to help me you know, research who are the hottest bands. And that's how I met David. He was a writer for Rolling Stone at the time. And he is the first person to put Hanson on TV. And it was on the Jenny McCarthy sketch show. It was Presidents of America. It was... Uh, all these amazing bands, and they all came out of David Wilde's in- insane savant expertise in the music world. He is truly oh, it's, it's insane. He and is, then, a but then you hear computer. the stories like he like oh yeah, well, but I got married because of uh, McCartney's uh, old wife. What? And oh like, yeah, no, his connections go, are stupid. Go, oh my god, you sit there and go, and then you see like his selfies or like people like you know like wait a second, and but they're like there are people putting. Him up as herself, not like him going. Hey, this is me, and this is. And he hey, couldn't be is... a nicer guy. Oh, he's so nice, and he's just, he loves music, and he's from New Jersey. I'm from New Jersey, so we. I just worked whole, on the just... previous. I worked on the Emmys with him from. Uh, yeah, last year. Okay. I worked on the Emmys with him last year. The Emmys, you know, that felt like the funeral. Right. Everyone right. died at it. That one. <laughs> so now, any more acting besides the, uh, the show coming up on DirecTV? Are you doing any other acting, or you, do you want the, to get out more? Or you know the. Uh, I have other shows in development, you know, and 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 hopefully they'll go. I don't know. You know, one's a kind of a uh, Breaking Bad type comedic version of Breaking Bad about a couple, you know, where I'd play like in a, you know, a loser. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, the ghost show is taking up a lot of time right now, which is great because it's, we're in complete control of the show. It's a great and idea. Do whatever we because now you know you get all those celebrity ghost stories, the real things on TV, and it's like it's great to be poking fun of that because you sit there and you go, "There's a ton of those shows, like there's a ton of like yeah, and they're like on the History Channel. This is the only why are you on the History funny. Channel? I know, I'm thinking, but why are they on the History Channel? Like yeah. celebrity ghost stories shouldn't be on bio. Well, this you know, is the like, only one that's funny intentionally, <laughs> right? So exactly, that's, that's the difference. <laughs> well, that's good. And that that comes out. What's it called again? International Ghost Investigators, Hollywood Division. Okay. And now that's going to be on direct TV. We tried TV. to make it longer, but we... Uh, now, do you tweet? Uh, do I tweet? Yes, yeah. I'm Paul Greenberg 1. Okay, and now yeah. do, you, do you tweet a lot? I don't tweet a lot because I'm picky. I'm like, I, I better have a good joke <laughs> because people are going to get sick of me. I mean, this is that's the Canadian in me. You know what I mean? I'm sorry for tweeting. I mean, that's how I feel. 
all the time. Well, you shouldn't, because we want to see more tweets of you. Yeah, okay, I'll tweet I, more. I'm going to follow you now. I'll and tweet more. I want to thank you for coming on. Thanks for having was, me. This was really fun. We talked a while ago, and uh, Matta said, because I was sitting there going, I was going, what am I going to do for August? And I was sitting there this while ago, and Matta goes, I met Matta for coffee, and he goes, all right, well, this guy, this guy, and all of a sudden, and then it was you, and then Jerry Miner, and then Cindy Campanaro's going to be on next week, and then there's someone else, and he's like, this, and I'm like, oh, great, and like in one night, I'm like, hey, my mom's almost packed. All right, great, That's great. awesome. You know, so awesome names, man. But I want to thank you for coming on, and people, follow him at, at Paul Greenberg one and uh, follow me at Cooper Talk. Please follow me. Also, send me an email. I have a new email address, cooper at coopertalk.net, which happens to be my website, so if you go to coopertalk.net, I have about 285 episodes up on there. Also, if you have an Android phone or a tablet, go to the Google Play Store, type in Cooper Talk. You can get my app. It's free. And you can listen to me. Take me on the go. That's always good. Also, um, what was I going to say? Oh, iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Same thing. Type in one word. Always use one word, Cooper Talk, so I don't get confused with Anderson Cooper's talk show that got canceled. Cooper Talk, one word. You can find me there. Uh, I'll be on iHeartRadio starting very soon, so you can do the same thing. Search Cooper Talk. So thanks for listening. Remember, send me an email, Cooper at Cooper talk.net i'm steve cooper i'm only as hip as my guests don't forget <laughs> sorry about that that's all right that's <laughs> now drink your water eat your vegetables take your vitamins now you're a hip guy oh thanks and, 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 and yeah keep listening oh people. can i say one one quick thing we're, we're done time ah oh, sorry uh, <laughs> oh man not gonna miss it. i gotta ask him have a good day what was your- <laughs>